0: Yes, you are right, it is yet another episode of the TMC Talk Show, and today we are taking the opportunity to talk with Mike Fernie, the head of social video at Drive Tribe. In this episode, we talk about Scottish accents, Mike's role in the Drive Tribe YouTube channel, and the time Jeremy Clarkson got mad at Mike for driving his Alfa Romeo gtv 6 Stick around, because you're definitely going to want to hear all of Mike's great stories on this latest episode of your favorite interview series. Welcome to the show Mike and to start off I really just want to talk about how you got into automotive journalism I know during your college years you were studying mechanical engineering and ran a blog of your own on the side So how then did you make that transition to journalism as a full-time profession?
1: So yeah, it's quite an interesting one. Um, I had a a really bad breakup at uni and this this is basically the whole stem of how it all started Um, I I had a really bad breakup and was, you know, down in the dumps. And I was like, right, what is going to make me happy? What, what can I do that will just make me the happiest? And driving cars was the top of that list. So suddenly there was two options. It was like, okay, I could be a racing driver or I can be a motoring journalist. And, I mean, you're 20, 21 years old. You're not just going to snap into a racing career. So I thought, no, okay, you can write a bit. I've got my sort of technical background with mechanical engineering. Um, I'm just going to give it a go. So I started a blog um, called Gasket Case, and uh, I just went round contacts I knew and asked if I could drive their cars. So um, yeah, there was one of the first sports cars I ever managed to drive was a friend's friend's dad's Porsche Boxster, and that was one of the first ones. I somehow got my hands on a Lancia Delta Integrale for the day, which was incredible. Um, And yeah, just alongside my uni work i would start doing this blogging um, and i i it i was really enjoying it i suddenly had this sort of realization that it's exactly what i want to do um so midway through uni i thought i'm not going to stop my course but i'm going to look at other avenues to go down um, so i looked for work experience at the big publishers down in london and uh, that's where they all are evo auto express uh, auto car all these places are down there so i managed to get work experience at auto express and car throttle um, car throttle being the most interesting one because that's actually quite close to what i'm doing right now um, so they both went really well but especially car throttle they actually asked me after i moved back um, to uni after spending the summer with them whether they whether i'd like to do some freelancing for them so i actually started writing sort of technical explainer articles for the car throttle audience um, and then at the end of uni I was like okay I need a full-time job now Car Throttle would you would you like to take me on not just as a as a freelancer but full-time and sadly um they just didn't have the the capacity to take me on full-time so I was like okay need to find a a job elsewhere so it was actually Auto Express the other people I did work experience for um I applied for a job I interviewed and I actually I actually got it it was going to be a sort of Auto Express and Evo combined uh, motoring journalist job but with two weeks to go i then got a twitter dm from someone at this random company that i had heard, heard a little bit about um called drive tribe and it was the head of content at the time and he said hey liked your stuff on car throttle would you like to come write for us and i was like well it sounds better than auto express so yeah i'll do it and that was that moved into london and Started off as a writer at Drive Tribe, and I'm now sort of more concentrated on video. So yeah, that's how the whole sort of journey came to be.
0: Nice. Well, I want, for me, DriveTribe is going to be kind of like a main event. I obviously want to talk about that a lot. And to be quite candid, I have a lot of questions surrounding that. So let's get ready for that. I guess we already talked a little bit about how you did get that job at DriveTribe, but when you took the job, were was the main allure the fact that you know James, Richard, and Jeremy were kind of involved in this, or did that did that not play a role
1: um yes, that was definitely something i I was one of those kids that um was obsessed with top gear i I could recite a whole load of episodes word by word, um I used to watch all the reruns, so the fact that they were involved with it um that was definitely something that twigged with me and i remember chatting to my dad and he was like any sort of access to those guys is only going to help you um and to be honest that the job um at auto express auto express is one of the you know real cornerstones of the uk car industry it's one of the main um publishers so it would have been a great opportunity to work for them but there was just something that just seemed more fun and more sort of energetic. And the, I think the opportunity, like Drive Tribe being a startup, there is just opportunity for you to, you know, within limits, do your own thing and make it your own and really have influence on what's going on. And that's what's happened. Um, DriveTribe has just been so moldable. And we've now got to somewhere where we're really happy with what it is. But, you know, right at the start, there was just space to experiment, have a go at this, have a go at that. Um, and that's just been an awesome experience. Um, so, yeah, I'm really happy. I, I chose Drive Tribe. And although at the start, uh, the three guys were quite hands-off, um, it we've slowly gotten closer to them, and they've kind of understood what we would like for them as well. And now I'm – it seems crazy to say, but I have got a relationship with James May, uh, Richard Hammond, and Clarkson, which, yeah, if you went back to – 12 year old well 12 year old up until 21 year old michael and told told me that i just think no absolutely no way i'm not gonna get close to these guys so yeah it it is, it is amazing to work for them and to be honest that helps the second you can drop those names in, not that we overuse it but the second you can tell someone that they're involved with the company it just opens doors like nowhere else i think can so yeah it's it's been awesome
0: So after they, uh, James, Jeremy, and Richard, after they decided to maybe take a step back from the Grand Tour, I mean, they still do some stuff, but it's obviously not as intensive, right? So once they did that, is that when they started to get more hands-on with Drive Tribe and you started to develop some relationships with them?
1: Um, Yeah, I think, so Drive Tribe launched in 2016, and that was, you know, uh, not, not too far away from when the grand tour was pretty much at its peak so like, they did a hell of a job to launch it at, at kind of the same time as them having to go away and film so yeah for the first couple of years at Drive Tribe um, there wasn't too much interaction with them they'd pop in see how things were doing but in terms of content we had the odd little live stream or video here and there but um, as I said we're, at that point we kind of didn't know where we wanted to go did we want to link it to just Clarkson and may or did did we need to make it more than that um so I think we erred towards almost staying away from them so we weren't too dependent but I think we quickly realized that and the whole brand was launched by them it was built by them and we needed to just involve them more so about two two and a bit years ago we had our first, first video with James May and it just exploded. And we were like, right, okay, we've we've been sitting on this audience and not really giving them what they wanted. And it's been amazing ever since. Um, we've had all three guys on, um, obviously some more than others, but that's purely dependent on how busy each guy is. Um, and, yeah, I think especially the Drive Tribe YouTube channel has gone, I mean, when I sort of took it over and had influence on it, um, it was on 200... Like 240,000 subscribers and now we're looking we're probably in the near future going to hit 1.5 million so just and I, I'll be honest most of that is down to us getting interaction from those guys our first Clarkson video was just insane people I think we had 120,000 subscribers in a couple of weeks or something it was absolutely crazy the uptake on that video so, yeah, it's, it's amazing that we have those three guys for not too much time during a month, but when we can, we get the most out of them. And, yeah, the audience just absolutely love it. We've inherited the top year audience. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's definitely paying dividends.
0: What are some of your activities and responsibilities as the head of social video at Drive Tribe? Is it, you know, just posting those videos or are you also behind the scenes writing scripts and doing that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, I'm. I, I basically do most most things. Um, I come up with the ideas for videos. I will script them, um, and then you know come up with call sheets and kind of stage directions for those videos. And then either they're a video that I'm presenting, or it's it's for someone else. So it's not just Clarkson to me. We've also had um Ed China from Wheeler Dealers. Um, we've had a couple of uh, influencers on recently, TJ Hunt and um, uh, Doug DeMuro we had just a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, I I kind of own uh, most video, I'd say 90% of video you see anywhere on Drive Tribe, I've kind of had something to do with it, um, and you split those into two things. So we do organic video, which is most of the stuff you see, but also one of DriveTribe's main um, sources of revenue is commercial video. So they are much more intense experiences. You script those, but they have to go to the client and the client looks over them, they need to make sure they're happy with it. And also they're just much more difficult videos to get right because these days, sponsored videos can go one way or the other an audience can be a bit iffy about a thing being sponsored. So you have to be really careful with with how you go about it. But I think I think we have done okay with it. But um yeah, I'm I I basically own the whole video process on Drive Tribe. And there's other people um like I'm I'm managed by Lucy Brown. I don't know whether you've you've seen her on the channels and stuff. Um she she's my manager. So she's kind of looks over everything I'm doing. But I've got quite a sort of free reign in terms of um in terms of coming up with the video ideas because i think i if i wasn't at drive tribe i would be a big fan i'd be a subscriber watching it all so i i do feel that i've got that kind of link to the audience so i i I would like to think i know what they want and i can see a, a banger of a video coming a mile off um so, yeah, I, there's sometimes we stray from the path, but m- most of the time I think we've kind of nailed our formula and yeah, it's, it's going well. So,
0: I, mean, I know you're talking about how Drive Tribe was kind of this startup sort of environment when you first started and, you know, like say, writing 90% of the video. Is it still relatively a small team or a small group of workers?
1: Yeah, I think we, we peaked as a company at, f- I want to say, 50 people. Um, now we're at a nice tight team of around about 30-odd, um, and a nice little office in Chiswick in London. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice little, there's still a, a startup vibe, um, but I think the dust has settled a bit. What I've been saying to people recently whenever they ask about how, how the company's doing, is I think we are now settled with what Drive Tribe is and what we want it to be in future. Mm-hmm. Um, as I say, one of the main things is um, commercial video. That's now become this big uh, revenue intake for us. So we're now, we're now just knuckling down on those things, especially in this current financial climate. You just have to go in with what you do well and what you can make money with. Um, so I think Drive Tribe, there, there are still startup aspects. There is still things that you can mold Um like if we wanted to change our video strategy tomorrow, it would just take a quick meeting and we'd we'd go for it and see how it does. There's still that flexibility. There's no real big corporate um strangleholds on anything. Um so I mean, how old are we now? We're about four coming up to four years old. Um so we're we are definitely emerging from being called a startup, but there are those nice aspects where if you want to mold something to the way you think it should be there is still the availability to do that. Nice.
0: Well, I've gone through some of your blog posts from your university days, and in one article in particular, you pointed out how if you ever got in front of a camera, you would turn it into a mumbling, sweaty mess. So then how the hell did you end up making videos for this huge automotive YouTube channel?
1: I was, I was slightly scared when you said you'd discovered my blog. I was like, which one is he gonna read? Um, Can I ask which one that was in? Do you know which um, article that was?
0: I think, well, I'm going to bring this up at at a later point in the interview as well. But I think this was the article in which you were talking about how YouTube was becoming a big thing and how that was going to supersede traditional automotive reporting.
1: Okay, cool. Um, So, yeah, I sucked at drama at school. I was awful at any sort of performing especially just myself I just get sweaty and I couldn't really get my words out and um you know my mum and dad you asked my mum and dad when it came to like school performances school plays or anything like that or choirs or all that rubbish um I I just kind of froze up I wasn't that confident so they find it really weird that I've now fallen into this this um presenting role but I think that the real inspiration for me when I was growing up with cars was very specifically the evil magazine youtube channel um they just made the most amazing videos they were very indulgent but i kind of liked that you know 20 minute long almost like poems about cars they were driving specifically henry catchpole who's at um the Fiction youtube channel these days and actually used to work at drive drive um he just made the most amazing videos. After this, if you haven't seen it, type in Evo Magazine, Aston Martin Vantage, Scotland, and then watch that video. He's in an Aston Martin Vantage, um, the, I think the Nürburgring edition, or the uh, N430, and he's going through the highlands of Scotland, which, of course, you know, really grabs me by the heartstrings, and it's just the most amazing video. So watching that, I was thinking, I was, you know, I was doing my blogging, and I was loving it, um, that was the aim, that was the peak for me, like, being, being given a car like that, and just being able to just pour your heart out about what's going on, um, so, yeah, it's really weird that now, I'm, like, I'm now in, in that space, like, I, I'm, you know, embargoes are a thing, um, when it comes to automotive video you know if you if you filmed a car on a launch you'll see that the embargo lifts and suddenly all, all the videos from everyone all come out so i've had many situations where my embargoed video is coming out right below henry Catchpole's or right above henry Catchpole's, and it's like what you know you th- think back to being at uni just staring at these videos and suddenly I mean, I'm, I'm still nowhere near as talented as him, but I'm, there's no two ways about it. We are competitors with Carfection. Um, and that that blows my mind. I, I, if I meet him at an event or see him, I'm still this uh, crumbling mess and completely fanboy towards him. Um, but you kind of also have to just push past that and be like, wait a minute, I'm here to do a job. He's here to do a job. And we're both kind of in the same space. Um, so, yeah, it's very, very weird to me that the whole YouTube thing has happened. But an opportunity came up at Drive Tribe. We kept using freelance presenters, but I think the one thing with YouTube audiences is you can't keep dotting around. You need to, like, commit to a face. Um, Obviously, the trio would be the perfect way around that, but it's just not feasible. So I kind of decided, right, I am going to try and be that face. And I don't know... How my first drive, try video was a, a Group C nineteen eighties Jaguar XJR nine, and watching that back, I'm like, how the hell did I get another shot at this? How the hell did my bosses say, mm, pack that in? You're boring. You're waffling on. Just stop. Um, but no, the opportunity was there. I took it, and two years later, um, it's all going really well. So it, yeah, it is really odd, but I'm really glad it's it's happened the way it's happened.
0: You do a segment for the Tribe YouTube channel called Mike's Mechanics. Since you have a mechanical engineering degree, you might be a bit more qualified than most to do this. So in your opinion, how much engineering and technical knowledge does an automotive journalist need to possess in order to do their
1: job well? Um, the answer to that is either a really solid amount or nothing because um, I think f- when it comes to standing out as a, a journalist, like loads of people want to do motoring journalism. And I think you, instead of trying to be like anyone else or trying to appeal to a broad audience, I think it is worth just finding your niche. And my specific niche was technical explainer articles that were sort of easily digestible. And I actually think because, I mean, I'm not some engineering whiz kid. I mean, um, engineering explained jason he's unbelievable and i have a base level knowledge that allows me to understand most things happening in a car and i think that actually then helps make explain things easier i almost think if you know too much that can kind of hinder things and that's maybe just an excuse for me making mistakes sometimes but um no i think um if you're if you're joining automotive journalism, your niche does not need to be a technical one. It could be that you are a absolute wordsmith, and just your writing can get people reading, or it could be you 've just had experiences that other people haven't had have, uh, haven't had, so you just have things to pick up on and things to hack into with your writing that other people just just don't have um so no i don't i don't think you need. Uh, sort of mechanical know-how unless you want that to be your little niche but once you're in motoring journalism and you're going to press launches and you're reading press releases and rewriting them you definitely absorb uh, technical things because every single car launch you know there will be an engineer there trying to explain something new on the car so there are journalists who aren't engineers or haven't got degrees in anything but they have just absorbed all this car tech knowledge, so that they almost become sort of mini engineers in, in, in terms of what, what what they can sort of tap into when they're writing an article. So, no, there's no pressure. I think the main thing in journalism is being able to write. I think that's the first thing. And then knowledge can be sort of learnt. If, if you can just, if you have a natural knack for writing, that is a huge leap forward instead of being this whiz kid in terms of car knowledge and then sort of not great with your words um so yeah i think anyone aspiring to be a journalist get your words spot on and then you can build on top of that
0: okay well that is the end of my questions about Drive tribe for the time being as we are now transitioning to my favorite segment sit as stupid questions to respected members of the automotive community and you see mike I actually lied because my first question of the segment is, yet again, about DriveTribe. Um, this is slightly embarrassing, but I don't really get the point of Drive Tribe. I know that many of your YouTube videos are done by James, Richard, and Jeremy, and then we've obviously t- talked about everything that you do. But then we also have these other branches like Food Tribe, and then there's a page about smart homes. So help me understand a little bit how this whole ecosystem of media is supposed to work.
1: Very good question. Um, so, Drive Tribe initially was supposed to be a straight-up social media platform for cars, um, and I think very quickly you find out that the Facebook for cars is Facebook, and the Instagram for cars is Instagram, and the YouTube for cars is YouTube. You you have to just you have to bow down to these Leviathan platforms and adapt to them. Some people manage to nail it, and create their own social media properly big social media platforms but it's very very rare actually Carthrotle decided to do an initial sort of copy of that back in the day and um it didn't quite work out for them but saying that drive tribe is a proper community it has really developed i think there were some issues when it first launched um i think one of the main things was allowing basically too many people to have everything it was very um you know open everyone could have a tribe everyone could write articles everyone could do everything and that makes it non-exclusive and therefore it's not really much in demand Um, so i actually think by restricting drive tribe at the start it could have been more successful than it is now but saying that we've got this platform now with hundreds of thousands of people that use it every single month um if not billions i need to check what they say about the the numbers on that one um and it's still what it's set out to be it is you you can write articles you can upload videos you can upload any car cont- content you want and it will get shown to the masses so you can write articles you can write a car review and suddenly that the internet can see it it's got the potential for us to Post it on our other social media channels and show it to the world. There's no other um, competitor to that, really. Um, you can't write something on Evil Magazine and get them to, you know, post it anywhere. You know, it's, it's just not the done thing. But we have a creators program on Drive Tribe, where you can write an article about you driving your mum's car. To school the other day and what happened on it and if it is good enough it floats to the top and it can be seen by tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people so that's still this really unique thing that drive tribe has and that the community is just growing and growing every single day food tribe is basically started off as the same thing but it's in a ecosystem that's just so much bigger i mean everyone eats so and everyone is consuming more and more food content. Instagram is inundated with pictures of people's food, so there's this huge market there, and it's actually turning out to be more successful than Drive Tribe. Drive Tribe is this massive thing that we've built over four years, but actually the rate of change from Food Tribe and the rate of change of sales that we're having, you know, co- commercial deals with Food Tribe is going to overtake Drive Tribe at some point. And I think that's natural because cars are quite a specific niche. They're quite a nerdy thing if you're into cars. But food is food. You know, everyone can, um, you know, t- tap into whatever food they love and all that sort of thing. Um, and that may not be the last thing. Like, we're, the Drive Tribe was almost the starting concept and Food Tribe has been the sort of first Copy and paste of that same formula, and who knows? I'm not allowed to say there could be other verticals that we go into. Um, just off the top of my head and absolutely linked to nothing. There's you know sport, music, pets. You know these other huge areas that we've got the tech. We've got a social media platform that we have constructed ourselves. Doesn't belong to anyone else. It's our IP, and we can take any vertical take any subject and insert it in there so it's an incredible tool and we have plenty of people knocking on the door asking how it works and whether they can be involved so um that's where we are it's currently drive driven food tribe but who knows in future
0: thank you for listening to part one of my chat with mike ferney to listen to the rest of our conversation make sure to go to the podcast episode labeled part two thanks again